So we are in week two talking about prayer. And I'm wondering if this past week you spent some time in prayer that maybe you wouldn't have uh, after we spent time at the church last week together. But we do believe that prayer is the primary work of God's people. It's, it's the most important thing that we can do. And so we're going to take a couple weeks to talk about this. Author Max Licato asks the question in his book, Before Amen, he says, when was the last time you invited God into your world? When was the last time you invited God into your world? When you do, he promises to show up. And he brings a host of gifts, joy, patience, resilience. Anxieties come, but they don't stick. Fears surface, but depart. Struggles come for sure, but so does God. Prayer is not a, pr- a privilege for the pious, not the art of a chosen few. Prayer is simply a heartfelt conversation between God and his children. When was the last time you invited God into your world? When we say prayer is the primary work of the people of God, that's saying a lot. We're saying that prayer is more important than anything else that we might do as Christians. What it's also saying is that prayer needs to come first before we do anything as Christians. And it also must surround everything that we do. Prayer is the primary work of the people of God. It really struck me this week that Jesus said his house was to be called a house of prayer. Jesus said, my, my church, my, my, my body shall be called a house of prayer. And that's another very bold statement from Jesus. My church will be a house of prayer. Not a house of preaching. Not a house of fellowship. Not a house of Sunday school. Not a house of musical worship. Not a house of outreach or evangelism or small groups or bagels, bananas, bananas cereal bars, or even coffee. You know, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. It's a really strong statement. What it boils down to for me is, if all you did this year as a Christian is to make a habit of prayer in your life, according to the word of God, it would be absolutely transformative for you. That would be absolutely transformative for you. And if what we did as a church family included a lot more prayer in the coming year, I believe that would be very transformative for us as a body. You know, this is a huge deal. Last week we talked about how, as individuals, making a habit of prayer, of regular prayer, can shape us into a people who love God. You know? And it's also true that if a church makes, makes a habit of prayer together, it will shape that church into a church who loves God altogether. It's not what we said last week, you are what you eat or you are what you know, as many people will claim. But in a shocking turn, the truth of the matter ends up being you are what you love. And you love the things you make a habit of doing. You can actually shape the things you love in your heart by making habits in your lives. So making a habit of prayer will surely make you into a person who loves God more in the coming year if you choose to do that. It's little wonder then why prayer is our primary work as the people of God. Because prayer creates in us a fulfillment of God's great commandment. What's the great commandment? Love 
That's right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. And Jesus said that all of the whole, whole law and the prophets hangs on is summed up by this idea of loving God and loving neighbor. And you can love God more if you make a habit of prayer. It will increase your love for God. We also spoke last week about the Lord's teaching on prayer in Luke 11 and Luke 18. The Lord's prayer and also the parables that Jesus told uh, to teach us that we should pray and not give up. And through this study, we saw that prayer is rather simple. The Lord's prayer is really more of a framework than anything. It's a very simple prayer. And that what we think about God when we're praying to him is one of the most important things about us. If you view God as the exaggerated and negative example that Jesus taught, as an unjust judge, as a bad friend, as a cruel parent who is out to get you, then you're going to have an issue praying to God. You're going to have a difficult time praying to God. The point that Jesus makes with exaggeration in these stories is that even a bad friend, even an unjust judge, even a cruel father sometimes will do the right thing if they're harassed enough. How much more your father in heaven? who is not any of those things. He is a good father, a good friend, and a just judge. So even if a bad person will eventually do what's asked of them because they're annoyed with the person who keeps coming to them over and over again, how much more a loving father when his children approach him? How much your father in heaven, the good father, good friend, the just judge? Last week I said that today we were going to look at some more practical matters on how to pray as individuals and as a church body. And so we are going to turn to the Lord's teaching on prayer in uh, the version found in Matthew 6, 5 to 15. And as we do this, we're also going to pray later on in the service as a church body together. Prayer is certainly one of those things I believe you learn how to do it by doing it. I really believe that. I believe that practicing prayer on your own and with other people is how you learn to pray. I really believe that. That's why the disciples were asking Jesus to teach them how to pray because when he asked them to pray with him, they fell asleep every time. They didn't, they didn't join in. They, weren't, they didn't keep their interest. And, uh, and uh, so they, they were at a loss. But the, the, most, the, the most I've ever learned about prayer was not from any book. It was from praying with people that love God and who pray. That's been the most impactful thing me. It's a really surprising thing to consider when we say that prayer is the primary work of God's people, that the Bible, though it has many examples of prayers that people pray, and, and, and it encourages us to pray on many different types of topics, there's really no direct practical teaching on how to pray, except for this teaching that Jesus gives his disciples when they ask him to teach them how to pray, the Lord's Prayer, which really is this framework of prayer. So the, the Bible certainly expects that we will pray and also demonstrates all these kinds of prayers, but the how-to piece of prayer is largely absent. There are many uh, tools that have come out as a result of Christians wanting to have something to think about when they're praying, something to guide their prayers. Uh, many acronyms. Have you heard of ACTS? It stands for Adoration. Confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So, worshiping God, confessing sin, giving thanks to God, and then asking God for things. That's a pretty good acronym. 
There's another one that I saw this week, pray, which is praise, repent, ask, and yield. That's another one that people use to guide their prayers. I like those. One of my favorite ones is push, pray until something happens. That's pretty good. I think that that's a pretty, a pretty good one. You could be praying for a long time, and that's, that would be encouraging to you. And these are, these are helpful ways to think of prayer, um, but they are formulaic, you know, fundamentally. They're, they're helps. And sometimes they give us this impression inside that if we miss part of the acronym, or if our prayer is not weighted the right way, then God's not going to hear our prayers, which is very counterproductive for us, I think. Sometimes acronyms can make some of us obsessive, like with acts. Think about this. Did I have enough adoration yet? Can I move on to the next one? You may say to yourself, can I move on to confession? I know I'm supposed to be on Thanksgiving now, but what is the difference between Thanksgiving and adoration, which I already did in the beginning of the acronym? Should I find out? Because uh, I really need to get to supplication. I really need something from God. I need something from God really bad. So I need to get through this acronym so I can pray the thing that I need to ask God. You know, these, these things can become counterproductive for us. But the good news is we do not have to be so formulaic in our prayers. We can take an easy breath out, and God will still hear us if our prayers are somewhat off balance at times. Something that me and Jackie had as a revelation with, uh, with Olivia, you know, years ago, we, we, we used to really feel that we need to give her a balanced meal. Every meal needs to be, like, nutritionally balanced. So you need to have vegetables, fruit, protein, every meal. And it's a lot of pressure because kids are not really good at eating all that stuff all at once. But one of the things that Jackie read about in an article was, as long as you feed your kids what they, the fuel that they need in a day, it doesn't matter if they have all the food groups in every meal. Which is really good news because it takes the stress out of feeding your kids. So if you feed your kids, you know, like I did yesterday, I was, I was home alone with the kids, I fed them all white rice for lunch. I did. So, 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 and I did that because there was already white rice sitting in the rice cooker that, that was going to cook, but then the electricity went out the day before. So it was really an easy meal for me just to press the button. And I fed each of the kids white rice. And I want you to know that that was a balanced meal because some of them had soy sauce on them. And um, some of them had butter on them. And some of them had butter and soy sauce. So pretty much all the food groups were there. I see some horrified faces of judgmental parents looking at me. I know it. No. But here's the thing, you know, at breakfast time, you know, fed them fruit. Uh, at dinner time, we had vegetables and fruit. You know, we, we did have protein, vegetables, fruit, and white rice at the end of the day for lunch. The, po- the point is the kids are not malnourished. You know, they're, fu- they're fine because through the day it got balanced. And our prayers are kind of like that. We feel a lot of pressure to get all the different pieces of prayer in there when we use those acronyms, which can be helpful. But as long as you have, as long as you pray often, which I think you should, make a habit of prayer, and you include all the things that are, that are modeled for us in the Bible over time, you will pray every kind of prayer there is, you know? So if you have, in other words, um, a morning where you, where you wake up and you're just wanting to, you just feel anxious about something and you're needing to cast that anxiety on God, you don't have to go through an acronym to do that. You can just right away say, God, I'm really anxious. I can't even think about adoration. I can't think about worship. I can't think about confession. I just am anxious. Give that to God and move on. Later on, you'll have an opportunity to praise God for something beautiful that you see, right? 
Later on, you'll be able to come to God and confess sin and say, God, you know, I'm convicted of this. Help me, Jesus. I read something very, very helpful this week in regard to prayer. And it, and it said this, that prayer juggles between two things. Now we're getting really simple. We're getting really simple. Number one is praise. Praising God. Worshiping him for who he is and all he's done. And the second is petition. Asking God for things. So prayer is these two things. Praising him and asking him for things. And in the midst of praising God and asking God for things, often we are convicted, as we're praising God, of our sin, of some way that we've fallen short. We just don't feel quite right as we go into his presence. So, you know, spontaneously, through our prayers, we confess our sins to God, and he forgives us. So, you know, praise, praising God, petition, asking God for things, and in the midst of those two things, plenty of opportunity for God to convict you that leads to confession, asking God for forgiveness. And I find that simple structure very, very freeing to me to think that Jesus um, does not expect me to get all the pieces perfectly balanced, but I can come to him. I can come to him with praise. I can come to him with asking him for things. I can come to him and ask for forgiveness. And he is just pleased to receive me every time I come to him. We praise God. We ask him things. And then he convicts us. You know, we convicts us of our sin. You know, maybe you are praising God because you love your spouse or your child or a friend. But then you remember some way in which you sinned against that person. You know, that's, that's a time where you praise God for that thing, but then you ask him for forgiveness and if need be, for the forgiveness of that person. So this simple formula leads us into Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6, 5 to 15. Jesus said, in essence, that prayer is quite simple. First of all, he said, make sure you're not praying for show, for people to see you, and that you are not being obsessive about using just the right words when you pray. This is another pitfall Christians fall into. We think we need to use the right words, repeat the right phrases, because somehow these are, are magical. You know, maybe God couldn't hear us when you said it the first time. Um, but God is not like a genie or a magic. It's, it's, a, it's not about the right words. It's not about a show. It's simple. So Jesus says, praise, petition, confession as needed, and it will be needed. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And every time you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, he forgives you. It's an amazing thing. Completely available forgiveness you don't have to walk around in shame. If you have sharp words with somebody, you can go to God right away and confess it. He forgives you. You can be restored. It's awesome. Our relationship with God. So, Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, you have received, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. So we've looked into our hearts. We're not praying to impress anybody or to impress God. We're coming into God's presence recognizing that this relationship that we're engaging with 
is the only relationship in our life where there are no secrets. Your relationship with God, there are no secrets. He knows everything you've done, everything you think, everything you will do, and you're still here. He loves you. He loves you. So we've looked into our hearts. We've prepared ourselves. We're not, we're not obsessed with King Jamesy words. So we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a praise. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Set apart is the name of God we recognize. Next comes a, a petition. God, I'm asking that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. What this is saying is, it's not talking about after we're, after we're dead and gone and in heaven. It's talking about asking God for his rule and reign to be exerted on your present circumstances in your world. When we say your kingdom come, we're saying, you know, where there's sickness, we want to see healing. Where there are broken relationships, we want to see restoration. You know, we want to see unity. We want to see the kingdom of God come on earth in our present reality as it is in heaven. So this is one petition. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second petition for us, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. And God already knows what we need before we ask him. And so he is, he's ready to hear us. It's not a foreign concept to him, but he wants us to ask. You know, it, it's, it's said in the scriptures, you have not because you ask not. And many times the things that we lack, we don't ask God for and we don't have them. We wonder why. But many times it's because we never asked. Petition. Ask him. Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need to survive today, God. And you know, the promise of scripture is that the God who you pray to can do immeasurably more than you hope or ask, it says in Ephesians. So pray to him, ask him, um, at knowing that he has uh, the resources to take care of those needs that you have. So we go, then we go into confession. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is a confession along with an acknowledgement of how we live our lives. You know, if we're asking God to forgive us, there must not be any debts remaining outstanding uh, between us and other people. We must forgive other people if we are to expect God to forgive us. This is one of the reasons I have such a hard time. I mean, I, I pray for justice in the world. Whenever I pray for justice, I, I also am thankful that God is not, you know, treating me as my sins deserve. It's very humbling. And so as I'm praying about things I see in the news or things going on in our world that are very um, dark and praying for God's justice to come, I'm also looking inwardly and saying, you know, in what ways is your forbearance and mercy holding me together? And so as I pray for justice here, am I, am I living in light of your justice, right? So forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's a huge deal that we forgive other people um, in response to what God's done for us. And then we come into another, another petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Don't allow us to fall into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then the caveat. He, he, Jesus hammers at home. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their sins, 
your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a tough teaching of Jesus. It's just accentuating this idea that if you want to pray for justice, you need to live justly. And you need to um, be living with a short account with you and God. And if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you must be the person that forgives others as well. Because if you do not forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also um, not forgive your sins. It's a big deal. This prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, 5 to 15, is the closest thing that we have to a practical how-to-pray guide in the Bible. This is all we really have. And all, all that's in this prayer is praise, petition, confession. Praise, petition, confession. Prayer is not a formula. And I believe prayer will resist becoming a formula. You can pray off-balance prayers that are weighted one way or another uh, every day, all day, every week, and eventually you will pretty much cover everything. We don't need to go through an acrostic to pray to God. So when you wake up in the morning, you should not feel guilty um, saying, thank you for another day, Jesus. Even if the, day, the night before you sinned against God, you did something that you knew was wrong, you don't need to wait to thank God for the day. And as you do that, you'll probably be convicted to confess your sin to God and be forgiven. That's probably what will happen. You can also wake up in the morning and ask, for God, ask God for something without worrying about having to praise him enough or confess exhaustively all of your sins. That anxiety can go to bed. You can cry out to Jesus in the morning, Jesus, I need your strength today. I already feel defeated before I've even gotten out of bed. I cannot handle another day like this. I can't handle another day of depression. I can't handle another day uh, with, with these uncertainties in my life. I need your help right now. And as long as you keep at it and you pray throughout the day, your prayers altogether will be enough. It's enough. God just wants us to pray to him, and he, and he hears from us. The reason I feel I can say this kind of thing with such conviction is that I find many of the Psalms to be off balance in the Scriptures. Um, and that's obviously tongue-in-cheek because the Psalms are not off balance. They're the Word of God, so they must be okay with Jesus. But sometimes Psalms seem to be all praise. Psalm 100 and Psalm 117 I, I was reading, it's all just praise the Lord, praise the Lord for all of his mightiness. Um, Psalm 70 I read, it's mostly someone asking God for help. Who's in, a, who's in trouble, just reaching out to God. And Psalm 51 of David is mostly David confessing his sin to God. And God hears all of them. And your day will likely give you the opportunity to pray all of those kinds of prayers, whether they be praise, petition, or confession. The point I've really, I'm really trying to make strongly is I, I feel like a lot of the reason that people don't pray, who know that they should pray, who are Christians, people that would say, I do believe prayer is the primary work of the people of God, I think the anxiety and getting lost in these kind of um, these traps of, of formulas and, and thinking that you have to pray a certain way with certain words at a certain time, keep people from praying. And prayer is very simple. It really is a simple thing. And the less anxiety you approach prayer with, about these different things, about being on the right balance, about using the right words, the better off you will be 
without all of those cares, and you'll likely pray more often, which is kind of the goal, to make a habit of prayer so that we can grow in love for God and love for others and fulfill the greatest commandment by God changing our very hearts as we talk to him. You know, a relationship requires us to spend time with God. Personal time, corporate time, and prayer. That's how we get to know God. So I'd like to take the rest of our time together to practice prayer together. You know, this is not, as you can probably tell today, it's a little bit of a different type of sermon. This is not the Nathan show. This is about prayer. I'm really concerned that all of us um, get into a habit of praying in our personal lives. The Bible says pray continually with all kinds of requests. Um, Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Pray whenever you think of this or that thing, the Bible says. You know, my concern for us is that as individuals we do this. As a church family, we, we get comfortable doing this. And in our households, we get comfortable doing this, which is a very hard pl- I think many people find it very difficult to pray with their spouse or their children, and I get it because I'm there. I'm right with you. But prayer has got to be more central to our lives because the Word of God says it's, it's, um, we're to be a house of prayer, we're to be a people of prayer, and every single thing that anyone in the Bible ever did that was of value was because they prayed before, during, and after. And that includes Jesus, who was God in the flesh. He had to pray. He had to pray for, for like hours. He'd wake up early before everybody else, and he'd be gone somewhere praying, you know, for hours. Every significant miracle of Christ was birthed from that quiet time that he had with the Father. His choosing of the disciples was birthed after a really long prayer session. That's how he heard from God. He did it so often, and he was so, in many ways, most of it done, not publicly, but on his own, that his disciples had to say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. You're always leaving, and you're, but you're always coming back and doing amazing things. So teach us how to pray. We get it. Prayer is the engine driving your ship. Um, if we don't get this, take this to heart more than just a sermon or a couple sermons, uh, then that would be a tragic thing. I think we need to, we need to pray. And, and I'm very thankful that the Word of God contains so many amazing prayers. If you don't know how to pray or if you just are having trouble, you can go right to the Word of God. And there's all these prayers in there that you can pray um, and just begin praying. So let's practice prayer together. I want you to notice praise, petition, and confession. Um, This prayer that we're going to be looking at does not have confession in it, but I want you to notice how God convicts you or speaks to you as you pray this prayer in sincerity, as you come before him. And then just to take note of that and to confess your sin if you need to. Okay? So this is Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Starts with a praise. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. This is elevating God in his language, saying every family in heaven and earth derives its name. He is the creator. So for this reason, I I kneel before him, a sign of submission. And then he goes into a petition. 
He says, I pray that of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullest fullness of God. And then back to praise. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So this is what I'd like to do. I'm going to ask uh, Caitlin if you could just scroll through this verse um, over the next 10 minutes. I want you to pray in response to this scripture. Praise God. Ask him for the very things that are in the scripture. And if something comes up that you need to confess to God to receive forgiveness... Confess your sin and be forgiven. This is a time for us to together spend time meditating on Scripture, praying these, these three things of praise, petition, confession, as we look at a powerful prayer from Scripture. And I'm going to be up here playing some music on the guitar uh, just as we do that. So if you can bring the lights down. This is your time with God. It's also our time to pray individually while still praying together in the presence of the Lord.